0: We are preparing to storm Area 51. You know who did it much better than myself? Uh, Everybody else.
1: Russia can have my photos. I don't care.
0: (laughs) Throw some
2: trickeration in there.
0: I think that was really missing from the whole experience. It
2: made a lot of money. Slow
3: motion. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off... Here's the double coverage interview of the week.
2: All right, if you missed what happened on Friday night or didn't see it on social media with Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, we're about to get you caught up to date on one of the more memorable sports stories of the year. And that leads us to our stat of the day.
3: It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day.
2: BYU baseball alum Taylor Cole, only the second BYU Cougar to be a part of a major league no-hitter, joining Jack Morris, who did it in April of 1984. And Taylor Cole now joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, returning to the program. Taylor, nice to have you back on BYU Sports Nation.
4: I'm glad to be back. How's it going?
2: Fantastic. What an incredible Friday night and weekend for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, for that matter. Taylor, I, just to set this thing up for those that might not know, you were honoring one of your teammates who recently passed away, Tyler Skaggs, on Friday night. Your first home game since uh, news broke that he had passed away. You all wore number 45, and then you combined for a no-hitter the day before his birthday. I mean... it. It was unbelievable. What was the atmosphere like as you took the mound in that scenario in that arena?
4: It was like a like a spiritual experience almost you know you just want to be there and, and do well for for him. I mean, they played a video uh, of Tyler beforehand. Uh, we were able to see his wife. Um, you know, in the clubhouse before the game, about an hour and a half, she wanted to be around the team and and see us all made her feel closer to Tyler. His mom threw out the first pitch debbie, and uh the first pitch was right down the middle and so um you know it was just a really really special uh night altogether and then that happened i mean you 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 couldn't imagine you know a a no hitter or something of of that uh caliber to happen at that in that like instant and in that timing. But it didn't. It just makes you realize that, man, there's so much more to it than just the game, right? Sometimes the game of baseball and sports in general are there to kind of help people heal and kind of a, uh, an avenue to to just have a lot of cool things happen. And so, anyway, it's just really grateful and humbled to be a part of it. I mean, I, I threw for two innings, and then I had Felix Peña come in for the last seven. So uh, he did the heavy lifting. But, you know, it was just a really, really special moment and something we'll never forget.
0: Emotionally. How did you go to the mound and compete in the way you did, given everything that happened and was happening? To remember Tyler,
4: it's one of those things you just try to, um, just to focus. I mean, obviously, I knew that you know it was a special night, um, and that's exactly what he would have wanted, right? Is to just be the ultimate competitor to go out there. That's what he was. I mean, he loved to pitch, and so for me, um, I you know, sometimes people can put pressure on themselves and say, Hey, I, I, I gotta be, do great in this moment for him. And for me, it was just, just be yourself, you know, just go out there and, and, and trust your preparation and do, do your thing. But, you know, um, I, I definitely felt that there was some added help that night. Um, I know Felix says as well, just, you know, you, I came out of the game, you know, had had a couple good innings, but like I said, it it took seven more after that of, of no-hit innings to make this thing happen. Dustin Garneau, our catcher, I mean, was out there for all nine. Um, I-, I can't make this stuff up, you know. It was just something that uh, was the greatest thing that's ever that's ever happened to me on a baseball field.
2: Taylor Cole, former BYU baseball pitcher now pitching for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, was part of a combined no-hitter on Friday night, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, no joke, my wife was celebrating her grandmother's 80th birthday, and she's a huge Angels fan, and she wanted to spend it in one place. And it was on the front row of Angel Stadium on Friday night. And wow, I, it's crazy that, that she was there, but what I heard was it just... And I almost hesitate to say this. There was almost this added element, almost like this divine element uh, to what happened on Friday night. And, and I know that it's it's hard to kind of put it into words. But um, after that game wraps up and the no hitter is complete, and you're laying the number forty-five on the mound, I mean, what's going through your mind?
4: Just one of those special moments in life. You know, they they come every so often, and you know sometimes they're just not planned and they just happen and you just realize, especially when it happens in such a unique time that it did, uh, you just realize how how much that God is involved in, in the intricacies of our life. You know what I mean? That whole city, I mean, the fans, the Angel fans have been so supportive and, you know, have been grieving with the team, you know what I mean? And there's there's thousands and millions of fans throughout probably the country that, you know, just, you know, when stuff like that happens, it just makes you realize that, hey, you know, there's a higher power that's in control here, you know. And, and, and you know, Carly, you know, Skaggs' wife, uh, Carly Skaggs, you know, she, I, I hope that that brought her just even a, a little bit more peace, you know, because I think that hopefully it helped her realize that, you know, there's going to be people that are going to be supporting her for a long time. She doesn't have to do it alone. And um, you know it's just the special moment. Just goes beyond baseball.
0: The baseball gods sh- certainly manifest themselves at times. Uh, D Gordon hits a home run. The the game after Jose Fernandez passes away. This happens with Tyler Skaggs. But I want to I want to walk you back to the final out. It was a grounder actually taken into the chest of the second baseman. Were you nervous for a second? That wasn't that was going to be a hit. Maybe in that moment because there w- there was a bobble there.
4: Yeah, so I got a little superstitious because, you know, I, I threw my two innings. I came inside the clubhouse and I started to do my routine, my shoulder work and, and all the things that I do afterwards. And anyways, then it was like, hey, one of the luxuries of pitching the first couple innings and and being an opener, is you got the rest of the game just to enjoy, you know, you're done, you know. And so I actually went into like this little room. It's, that's actually our nap room where there's a TV set up. And I was just watching the game on the TV for the rest of the game. And, I and you know, fifth inning came around, sixth inning, I said, what if? You know, that was the thought that came through my mind. Like, no, like that, I don't want to even want to go there because I don't, you know. And then the seventh and then the eighth and, uh, you know, um, there's actually, when I was in that room and watching the, the TV, it was a little delayed from like, obviously there's like tons of TVs thr- sprinkled throughout the clubhouse, right? And there was one that was pretty loud, kind of like right outside the door. That was a little, you know, wasn't delighted. It was more, uh, you know, in real time. And I was watching the ninth inning, and all of a sudden, the, the stadium just roars. And I hit, you know, hear, you know, the, angels, you know, and, and I just hear everybody go crazy and it announced on the TV. And so that, that even before the the pitch had been thrown, and so I just I didn't even see I didn't even see it. I really didn't. Um, I I just ran to my locker because I was still in the clubhouse. I didn't want to jinx anything you know, uh, and then grabbed my hat and ran outside with the team. So, so you weren't even in. You um, weren't even cool. out
0: there for the final out. You were that superstitious. No.
4: Well, d- yeah, I wanted to just stay right where I was, right? I didn't want to, like, it, it, you know, because if I would have, like, thrown on my – because, in all fairness, the, um, the media came and said, hey – well, a couple of our staff members came and said, uh, hey, Taylor, like, if this ends up happening, like, you know, we're going to want an on-field interview, you know, so they said, throw on your uh, – throw on your jersey and so i threw on my jersey but i went right back to the spot that i was in in the clubhouse (laughs) i didn't want to throw on my jersey and be in the dugout in the ninth (laughs) inning and then something bad happened you know us give up a hit or whatever it is and then everybody be like man why why'd you come out here you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i just stayed right where i was and uh you know angel stadium set up where you actually have these stairs you know that you gotta you go up and down um to get to the in it so I ran out there and got out there pretty quickly
5: and um,
4: was a part of it, part hey. of the celebration, and it was just really cool.
2: Taylor, I'm clearly all aboard the superstition train today. I'm buying Native American dream catchers with BYU helmets to try and help BYU football beat Utah. So I'm all about it, man.
4: Hey, absolutely right. I, I like it, man. Absolutely. Big year this year, right? You, you bet, so.
2: man. Hey, we're thrilled for your success. We appreciate your time amidst your busy schedule. Let's talk again soon.
4: Hey,
3: thanks for having me on. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
2: Everybody loves a top 10. It's time that we reveal another top 10 list specific to the quarterbacks that BYU will face this year in college football. It's Jerem's 10 and 10.
3: 10 lists in 10 weeks.
0: It's Jerem's 10 and 10. Let's go. Teams not represented. Idaho State, UMass. Boise State. What? Nope. Chase Cord Torres ACL. Nope. Didn't play enough. No Boise State. Number 10, Eli Peters, Toledo. He split time with Mitchell Guadagni, who was injured. 55% passer. 18 touchdowns. 7 picks. 1,800 yards last season. Transfer from Illinois. I didn't know Illinois produced football. Part of an offense that led the MAC
2: in scoring at 40 a game. His name is Eli, and he's a quarterback. Makes you wonder, is he elite you like Eli Manning? You can't spell, well, Eli Manning's not elite
0: now. <laughs> Number nine, Ryan Agnew, San Diego State. Agnew was 6-1 as a starter last year, splitting duties with Christian Chapman between injuries. It's Agnew's job now. He threw for 1,600 yards, 10 touchdowns. New spread offense should suit the dual-threat quarterback better.
2: I'm a little skeptical on San Diego State's offense Offense as a whole. I think Agnew can play, but I think San Diego State's going to struggle to score points all year.
0: Juan Washington, good running back. We'll see. New offense, right? Same OC. Number eight, Jaron Garantano, Tennessee. 12 touchdowns in 12 games last year. That's not a high number. He was hurt in several of those, but played through it. In two seasons, 16 touchdown passes, five picks. Doesn't turn it over easily, but doesn't have a three touchdown game yet. 200-plus passing in just four games, underdeveloped weapons around him, and a young offensive line.
2: It's a Tennessee quarterback not named Peyton Manning, so I guarantee it that he will under-deliver. What about T. Martin? Uh-huh.
0: Number seven, Blake Barnett, South Florida. The fifth-year senior and former five-star recruit started 10 games last year, scored 20 touchdowns, eight on the ground, 12 passing, 2,700 passing yards last year, fifth most in school history. Uh, that would be like 28th at BYU. This is his third stop after Alabama and Arizona State.
2: What were Blake Barnett's stats when South Florida lost six games in a row last year? Probably not good.
0: (laughs) Number six, Stephen Buckshot Calvert. Buckshot is his middle name, legally. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Yep, that's his name. Second most pass yards of any returning uh, quarterback BYU will face this year. 270 plus in seven of the first eight games in 2018. 21 TDs, 18 picks, so that ratio is not great. But in 2017, he put up
2: 447 yards and three touchdowns in a win at Baylor. Aside from having the best quarterback name on this entire list, I think Liberty and Calvert are sneaky. I'm glad BYU has this game in Provo.
0: They're sneaky. Last year, they were kind of a transitional FBS team independent. Now they're full-fledged FBS independent this year. To the top five, number five, Mitchell Guadagni, Toledo, second Toledo quarterback on this list. In a blind resume, you might think this is Zach Wilson. Listen, in seven games before a collarbone injury, he averaged 7.1 yards in non-sack carries, 13 passing touchdowns, three picks, 162 pass efficiency. Those are Zach Wilson's number almost to a T. Part of an offense that led the Mack in scoring at 40 a game.
2: Toledo. Happens to be the game right after BYU takes on four power fives and the Cougars have to go to the glass bowl. This game concerns me quite a bit. And, yeah, Mitchell can throw the ball for sure.
0: Toledo lost its top three receivers that had a ton of weapons, uh, weaponry and yardage and touchdowns, so that's the goodness. Number four, JT Daniels, USC. Started 11 games last season against Notre Dame in the season finale, 26 of 31 as a freshman. Backup Jack Sears will push Daniels for the starting spot in August. Third in the Pac-12 is a freshman, 243 a game. He didn't play great, but he was highly recruited and with those receivers, which to me are the best uh, among all the opponents BYU face he's a, he's a good QB.
2: This is a trap game for USC, and I just have this funny feeling that BYU is going to bring the house against JT Daniels and that offensive line from USC. I think BYU's defense is going to have a fun day against this team.
0: Number three, Tyler Huntley, Utah. He's the senior now, 140 efficiency rating, 12 TDs, 6 picks in 9 games last year before breaking his collarbone. That's multiple QBs that broke the collarbone. Huntley had a tremendous October. Utah was 4-0 in the Pac-12. They were rolling before his injury.
2: He's the real deal, people. If Tyler Huntley can stay healthy, Utah may very well win the entire Pac-12 and go to their first Rose Bowl.
0: I'm interested to see him play because he's good. He's been really good at times, but at times he's just okay. Number two, Jordan Love, Utah State. Love was incredible last year. 3,500 passing yards, 32 touchdowns, 64% completion rate, seven rushing touchdowns, four TDs against Brigham, seven 300-yard passing games. He was fantastic. But as we have mentioned, only one other starter back on offense and a new offensive staff. I think things will be different. It, they won't be as explosive.
2: Jordan Love is good enough to help Utah State probably win eight games this season, but this is a very different team. Yeah, and I... BYU's favored by two and a half and Logan, for crying out loud, that would not have happened last year.
0: Right, Uh, that was Utah State team that finished top 25, 11-2. And And the top quarterback BYU will face in 2019, Jacob Eason, Washington. The 6'6 signal caller returns home to Seattle where he was a five-star high school standout. He started 16 games in two seasons at Georgia before he lost the job to Jake Fromm after an injury. As a freshman, threw for 16 touchdowns, eight picks in the SEC. And after a redshirt year last year, Takes over for Jake Browning and char- uh, tries to jumpstart this offense that has not been what they were hoping. They've relied on the defense more the last two years.
2: The transfer situation is always interesting to me because I wonder if. It will help Jacob Eason take the next step, or if it's going to be a situation where he just is mediocre, like a lot of transfer quarterbacks late in their careers. Could this be a Russell Wilson situation where he's at Wisconsin and they're awesome? I don't know, maybe with Chris Peterson.
0: Yeah, he's back home. He's got two years to play, and those are the top 10 quarterbacks BYU will face in 2019.
3: The best of BYU Sports Station will be back after this on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We now happily
2: welcome back into Studio B, former BYU basketball head coach Dave Rose.
6: Dave... How good morning, are you, man? good morning, guys. How you doing? Oh, I'm man. lucky with the age app because I'm already old, <laughs> <laughs> so they can't make this thing. Listen, much right now, you look way better than any <laughs> of us using
2: that face app. So it's, true. it's bad. It's yeah, really I, bad. You know, it's
6: funny. I, I've seen a lot of the NBA players, you know, that they've done and. <laughs> It's sad. (laughs) Uh, I mean, twenty years from now, we're going to have a sad life, (laughs) looking at all all these stars that just look haggard, look terrible, beat down. Do you think, like, why
1: do you want to look old? Why is this a thing right now? Why are we all trying to
6: look old? That's exactly right. It is true that all the young kids want to grow up so fast. So maybe that's the deal.
1: Ah, Yeah, could be.
6: Well, if we could all be so lucky. To be like Dave Rose. Dave
2: Rose. Oh yeah, You look great. <laughs> yeah, I feel great. Things are good.
1: 29, you look twenty nine. Twenty nine. What I'd say after yeah. retirement, you just well, that's good. You look great. I got a
6: lot, a lot to do. So uh <laughs> You know, we're uh, Cheryl and I are, are really in, kind of enjoying the the and not so much relaxation because we've been so busy and we've got things to do and we're going places. But it's just uh, it's just a different uh, different way, and we we get to do so many things together and. Uh, we've traveled, and you know she's she's down right now. She had her hip replaced about uh, four weeks ago, so we're we're looking forward to that getting healed and getting her back going again. But had a chance to go to my daughter's, I mean my granddaughter's swim meet yesterday, the state uh, long course championships, and her relay team set a new state record. Yeah, hey, so that's
1: that was one. pretty cool.
6: You know, it's it's interesting because my whole life games have been a couple hours. Uh-huh. Swim meets are like a couple minutes, but they last for hours, you know, because she <laughs> swims in so many events. And then if you miss it, you know, it's it, the thing Sorry. takes two, you know, a minute and a half, and then you go, oh my goodness. So you, <laughs> That's awesome. But it's those are pretty intense, uh, especially when they get to these, these championships. All these girls are all fighting for uh, new personal records, and they're fighting for, you know. Uh, a place at sectionals or super sectionals mm-hmm. or all these sure. things that I've learned about in the last uh, three months. <laughs> now, a, cu- a couple of things. John, one, Dave. let's give some BUA Sports Nation karma to Cheryl, Cheryl your
2: wife. To yeah. Yeah. Quick, let's go. Yeah, okay. yep, yeah. let's, let's make that happen. Three banger? Yeah. yeah. One, yeah. two, three. Oh. All yes, right. I love it. She's okay. a good one. Now, your coaching philosophy obviously dominated your emotions and you had to approach games a certain way. And How do you do things as a fan when you're watching your granddaughter or family members? How how does that compare to what you feel as a coach?
6: You know, it's easier to watch my grandkids than it is to to, to watch my own kids because I was the one, and Cheryl, we were the ones that had to deal with all the drama and all the emotion in the win or the loss with your kids now you can just watch your grandkids and be really stoked if it doesn't work out too much hey just go see your parents <laughs> you know? and if it's if it's you know they're like yesterday when they set the record man i was right in the middle of that thing yeah it's 2011 since anyone swam this fast yeah ready to go girls i was right in the middle of that but if it's not that good hey Hey, hey, here's the ice cream cone. You guys handle it. Let your parents handle all that stuff.
2: Oh, you've earned that. You've Uh, you've earned that, right.
6: And it's so great to have you here. Thank you. In the studio. I was thinking I'd get stuck with Jerem, but uh, I've I've got a question for Cougar Nation now that Jerem's not here. Oh, okay. Wow, all right.
2: Because you
6: guys are asking a question every day, some silly question about the WCC and the (laughs) Pac-12. Which we're going to
1: ask you. All all
6: the nonsense that you always love to, to create. So my, my question for Cougar Nation is Sports Nation better when Jerem's here or when... <laughs> He's not here. Oh,
7: my gosh. Okay. That's dangerous. No, that's awesome. That's dangerous. That's, come
6: on. Let's get some response to that. Because <laughs> I think you're terrific. I think oh, you should Dave. take the check. I, I have a feeling that somebody will tweet Dave. in some type of response. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: That, that will definitely get a response. And
6: well, I'll always have this in my pocket with Jeremy. We got his head shaved.
1: <laughs> yes, you did. I know.
6: We got that dude's head shaved. He, and he, ch- did. he challenged he you and your team. Yes, he did. And
1: it looked terrible, Dave. That probably gave you a
6: lot of <laughs> And the Clippers were awful. It took like three pairs. (laughs)
1: Those are good old days. Speaking of that Twitter question, though, I want to ask you this. So our Twitter question today is, in honor of the Lion King remake, which comes out today, which past BOU game would you want to make into a movie?
6: Whoa, you're talking basketball games? Yeah. You know, there's a couple games that really stand out to me. Um, The Jimmer game here at San Diego State, you know, it was an awesome game. But I can't really remember – we were so in the grind. I can't really remember everything that went into that, so the movie might be hard to get all the details right. <laughs> uh, the win against Gonzaga in Denver uh, to go to the Sweet 16—I remember that. That was a—that you mean—that was as pressure-packed weekend as I think I've ever been through. When you're, when you're a number three seed in the NCAA tournament, you feel it, you know, because you've got to get to the next weekend. You know, that's that's the in the history of BYU and the NCAA tournament. Second weekends have been few and far between, you know, and so uh, when we got that win, that was oh, as, as as good a win as I think I've ever experienced. Um, and then I really remember a lot of the details of our win against the number one ranked team in the country at Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah. I remember we beat Portland. We went over there. The pre it was it was I guess, somehow we got a feeling in the team of just so relaxed. Last game of the season, got nothing to lose. We show up to pregame meal and there's a copy of the Spokane Review Journal for Sunday morning undefeated thirty and oh. We hadn't even played the game yet. <laughs> so there's some stuff that we could make a pretty good TV, you know, that, show. Hey, that
1: about. is you know, true. So I a pretty good about
6: movie out of that. Fantastic. And you know, the funny thing about the Lion King is when when I decided to leave Dixie's and, and come to BYU with Coach Cleveland, that was a really tough decision for our family. And I was I was working up here. Uh, we made the decision, and Taylor, uh, youngest, was maybe two years old at the time. And and Lion King one was like the popular movie, you know. And so I remember coming home on the weekends and throwing in the DV or the DVR, whatever those tapes were, BC, you know. VHS. Yeah, those tapes would throw them in and. And watching that movie with her, and there's a line in that movie, you know, it talks about change and how hard it is. And I just remember going, "Oh my gosh," because I didn't know if I'd really made the right decision. <laughs> the whole thing. So I'm actually looking forward to watching this uh, this new movie. And obviously, anything with Beyonce is uh, oh, got to be oh, off yeah, the chain, yeah. you know. So You're making a lot
2: of fans uh, today, chain. coach. Yeah, and so we'll
6: uh, we'll uh, we'll watch this thing with a kind of comparing it to. 22 oh. years ago, when I actually made the move to come up here,
2: Dave Rose with us on BYU Sports Nation and bringing it. And uh, <laughs> you're headed to the basketball tournament. So you got a little bit of a break from coaching, but but now you're hopping right back in in the TBT with Jimmer and Tyler Haas. What do you expect in the basketball tournament? Well, you
6: know, I learned a lot. I learned an awful lot about, um, you know, just what you want to do and what you don't want to do uh, when, when you've got some time. And I, like I said, I haven't been just sitting around with looking for things to do. People I've had a lot of opportunities to do a lot of things and, and I'm looking forward, we're going back to uh um Washington, DC in September to, to lobby on Capitol Hill again for uh funding for you know cancer research. And I I did a Cheryl and I went back and did a gala with the high school coach back in Scranton, Pennsylvania for with uh coaches versus cancer and that was a, a great weekend. And so but it's it's interesting when you make a commitment and put a dot on your calendar, you you kind of go Okay, well, what are the other things that are be, going to become available? And I've had three other opportunities come up on the twenty fifth, twenty sixth, twenty seventh since I committed to the TVT. And uh, so I think, and I'm so excited that we did this because this is what I want to do way more than those other things. Uh-huh, you know? uh-huh. And I don't like to talk tell people no, but uh, uh, so this is kind of a relief for us because we get to stay at home. We're here in Salt Lake. Hopefully, we'll win three games and. Uh, be able to move on to Chicago, but it's it's there's some good teams, and it's uh, we'll get our group here together, you know, next week, and uh, just kind of figure out what we got, who can score, who can't score, who needs to screen, <laughs> yeah. who needs to rebound, who needs to shoot, you know, and uh, we'll figure all those things out.
1: There's probably a lot less pressure than we were. Coaching. You
6: know, it reminds it reminds me a lot. I don't know if you guys remember, but remember when they had the work stoppage? when Jimmer got drafted oh, and yeah. the NBA had to work stoppage, they were trying to find something to do. And we had a Kawhi Leonard, uh, Jimmer for dead all-star game yep. in yep. the Marriott yep. center. Yep. And, uh, I coached Jimmer's team and Steve Fisher coached, uh, uh, Kawhi Leonard's team. And we had a nice crowd in here and played just for fun, but we had a whole bunch of, you know, pros and, and, you know, Ken Freed was here. I mean, there's some good guys that have made big careers out of, the, uh, the, their lives, but, uh, this is what this kind of reminds me of. We're going to get a bunch of good players together, play, and hopefully win three games. I hope that – because TJ and Al, they're the ones that are really driving this thing, and uh, I'd like to see them win six games. That would be a cool 2 mil. it
2: would be know, a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The money is real, very yeah. much so. Uh, with Tyler Haas in the mix, we've talked a lot about him and, and what we expect to see with him, and he's reunited with you. What else can you tell us about the roster?
6: Um, well, there, you know, the names, Daretine Hobson, he, 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 played at, uh, New Mexico was a big time scorer for them. And Rob Gray, kid from Houston, um, that, you know, had four or five 30 point games, a 39 point game, I think in the NCAA tournament. So I think we've got a, a group of guys who can really score, but I, I need to see how, you know, their game a little bit about as far as if it, if there's catch and shoot guys or if they have to all do it off the dribble, uh obviously we know Ty's game. Ty's got as uh, you know, good a, uh, we can run stuff for Ty and get him open shots and getting Ty's space will be the, the issue and if it's all done off done off of dribble drive and kind of kick and you know, or if it's done off screens or however, I, I think a lot of it will be in transition. I think that's probably the, the, the thing that will be the least effective is the other teams' defensive transition and so I think we'll be able to score uh, but I'm excited. I'm excited just to kind of get in the gym and have very little pressure. I mean, Al will be putting some pressure on me. I know, but, <laughs> but just have fun and, 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 uh, you know, reunite with the guys. I think we'll probably have a couple of practices that Jimmer will actually be with. And so I can get, maybe get Tyler and Jimmer play a little one-on-one. And, oh yeah. yeah. What,
1: what's Jimmer going to be like as a coach? What's that um,
6: going to be like? I, I bet he, I bet he's a lot more vocal as a coach than he is as a player, you know, because <laughs> as a player, he can just put the ball in his hands and make it all happen. And, uh, he he told me that uh, he, was, he coached one time somewhere, and he said, you know, I'm so excited. We're playing well. There's a timeout, and all the guys come over, and I'm just going, yeah, way to go, guys. Things are great. And then I realized I had to actually say something <laughs> I, I had, to, I had to, Somebody handed me the, the oh, clipboard. Wow. Oh, yeah, I got to do something. <laughs> Let's see here. I said, like, we'll figure that out together. <laughs> All right, Coach, uh, we'll
2: finish with this as uh, we say goodbye to you. Uh, Jimmer Fredette playing for Panathinaikos, one of the powers in Europe, in Greece. What do you think of that, Matt?
6: I'm really excited for him. I, I think that uh, I've actually talked to two or three reporters uh, from Greece. They've called me and, and asked me just to give my opinion of his career, his 10-year career. Obviously, they know what he did here, and and they're so excited to have him, but for Jimmer, um, you know, my conversations with him is that, Coach, I did it because I just I want a new challenge. I want to get fired up about trying to go do something that I haven't done before. And that league, that Euro league is good, really good. And it's uh, a really competitive league. I don't really think he's trying to prove anything. I just think he wants to get himself kind of juiced up and and, you know, go for something that's different than what he had in, in Shanghai, and and I, he loved playing there, and he said I could play there for another ten years, but I wanted to feel different about my challenge, and hey, he'll, it'll feel different <laughs> when he gets there because uh, they'll be gunning for him. One of the writers uh, from uh, from Athens, he said, "No, listen, give me your email because I'm going to send you this, the Euro schedule as soon as it comes out, and we want to mark the the Barth- the Barcelona game. Oh yeah, you
2: know? Brandon yeah. Davies. And oh, so
6: those awesome. two guys guys going go after, and hopefully y'all. I don't have any dots on my calendar, and I can actually—I <laughs> can make that thing happen, you know, because no, I will that's have cool. some time. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. I look forward to stuff like that. Dave, it's great to catch up with you, man. All right, great yeah. being here. Tell Jeremy <laughs> hi for me. Tell him I'm oh, sorry, sorry that I missed him. Maybe, maybe he'll invite me back sometime.
2: Oh, oh, oh we will. Okay, yes, thanks, yes. guys. Oh, uh, we do have a response, by the way, to answer Dave Rose's question it isn't that it's better when Jerem Jordan's gone so much as it's just better when Lauren McLean.
6: Oh, there you go. That (laughs) is a politician. That's probably John Curtis. (laughs) (laughs) a
2: (laughs) casual hippie on Twitter. So I don't know if
1: that's John or whatever. Oh, Coach, good to see you. Thanks for being here. Great guys. Good
3: luck to you. Thanks Dave. This is the best of BYU sports nation on BYU radio. Let's take a listen to the best of BYU Sports Nation right now.
8: T minus 45 days till the Cougars take on the Utes. In the latest football news, William Hill, a Las Vegas odds maker, released his 2019 college football regular season total wins, setting the line at five and a half for BYU. What? I would just like to point out that this is the lowest projected wins for the Cougs. ESPN's Football Power Index has the Cougars winning seven and a half games. And Phil Steele projects seven. So really? Five and a half? Ugh, as if! Come on! And now, more preseason projections, but this time for hoopster Yoli Child who received an honorable mention in Andy Katz's top 25 basketball players for the 2019-2020 season. Child is one of 15 players mentioned outside the top 25 list. Honestly, I think we're all just still excited he's back. Now, I usually do my 30-second in review when BYU's in-season and things are pretty hectic. But things are really hectic right now for our Cougs and the pros. So let's do this thing, but with a twist. Eric Mika and Elijah Bryant finish the summer league. Mika averaging 8.9 points for the Kings. Bryant averaged 14.3 points for the Bucks. Jimmer and Panathinaikos make it official via social media. He's headed to Greece. Daniel Summer Hayes finished tied for 29th at 6 under at the TPC Colorado Championship. USA men's volleyball took silver in the FIVB Volleyball Nations League final. Sander led the team with 20 points. And Ronnie Jones Perry and Team USA won the Pan American Cup. Whew. Done. Now, this next part I didn't put in the 30 seconds in review because it's pretty special. Taylor Cole pitched the first two innings of a combined no hitter for the Angels in a 13 0 win over the Mariners. The team wore the number 45 to honor Tyler Skaggs, a pitcher that passed away earlier this month. This is a really special moment for the entire Skaggs family and the Angels.
4: There's so much more to it than just the game, right? Sometimes the game of baseball and sports in general are there to kind of help people heal and kind of uh, to just have a lot of cool things happen.
8: It really is bigger than baseball. Sophomore quarterback Zach Wilson has been named to the Maxwell Award watch list. The award is given to football's best American college player of the year. Last season, Zach Wilson set the university's record for pass efficiency at 157.2 as BYU's youngest true freshman to start. He's not the only one to make a watch list, though. Sophomore running back Lopini Katoa was named as a preseason candidate for the Doak Walker Award. An award given to the nation's top running back. Lopini led the Cougars in rushing and scoring with 423 yards on 76 carries and 9 touchdowns. BYU running back Luke Staley won the award back in 2001. It's time for a Coug to win it again. I'm excited to see what these two do this season, especially with a tough schedule. Alright, Kiki, should we start with the bad news or the good news? Start with the bad news. Very unfortunate, Shaylee Gonzalez of BYU Women's Basketball announced via social media that she tore her ACL and lateral meniscus on Monday in practice. She will redshirt for her sophomore season. Shaylee was named WCC Newcomer of the Year and led the Cougs in scoring with 17 points a game last season. She had surgery yesterday. The good news is it was successful and she's already rehabbing. She's been getting a lot of love and support from BYU athletes and Cougar Nation. She obviously gets my support. Shaylee, I'm sending you all the kiki karma I can muster up, seriously. All of it. Get better. On a more positive note, according to league sources, former Cougar Elijah Bryant has received multiple NBA offers. This after his time spent with the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA Summer League. According to the report, he's considering his options and hopefully will be making a decision soon. And now, for even more watch lists, junior tight end Matt Bushman has been named to the 2019 Mackey Award Watch List, an annual award given to the top collegiate tight end. Matt has led the Cougars in receiving for the past two seasons. Last season, he had 29 receptions for 511 yards, averaging 17.6 yards per catch. That's the highest average of FBS tight ends. I also just want to mention that Dennis Pitta was the last BYU Cougar to receive this award. Wanted to throw that out there because we actually do have time for Dennis Pitta on this show. Sophomore center James Empey has been put on the watch list for the 2019 Remington Trophy, which recognizes the nation's best center in NCAA D1 football. Last season, James earned Freshman All-American honors and was BYU's highest-graded offensive lineman.
3: You can keep up with Kiki Solano and BYUSN right now on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Follow them at BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio
2: the man who was scorching the Nevada area in the NBA Summer League, Elijah Bryant with us. Eli, welcome back to the show. How are you?
9: Good. Thanks for having me. How are you guys doing?
2: Hey, we're doing great, and it was fun to watch you play with uh, the Milwaukee Bucks Summer League team. Uh, in your words, how would you sum up your performance and assess what you did with the Bucks over the summer?
4: I think it was good. I
9: think I just took advantage of the opportunity that they that they gave me, and um the coaches and the, the, my teammates gave me confidence and um, allowed me to do what I do. So,
0: 14 points a game on 53% shooting in 23 minutes is really efficient. Obviously, July 8th, you had the 31 point game, which was awesome. Um, do you feel like you could have played much better than that? That's pretty efficient.
9: Uh, it was really good. I mean, obviously, I look for areas to correct, you know, because uh, I was playing the point guard at times. So um, just learning where I can find guys and get other guys open and kind of facilitate a little bit more. So um, there's always ways to improve, I feel like.
2: Eli, I know it's only four games and not much time has elapsed since you finished the NBA Summer League, but what kind of opportunities to go and do something else professionally has this opened up for you?
9: Yeah, I think it's opened up uh, a lot of doors. Those doors I really don't know yet because everyone's still trying to figure out everything with the off-season free agency moves. As you guys know, it's been kind of a, crazy summer and there's still a lot of guys available as well so I'm just kind of waiting it's kind of a waiting game now but I feel like I've done everything I really could so um everything's kind of in in their hands
0: was it a one-year deal in Israel so you're completely open or is going back to Israel an option
9: oh well technically going back I could go back but uh most likely I won't be going back there
0: Describe to us your one year there. You were first-team All-League, which was awesome. Amari Stoudemire is in the league, a guy that people knew from the NBA, obviously. But uh, you were first-team All-League. You had a, a tremendous season. I guess describe what it was like to play in that league and live in Israel.
9: Yeah, I mean, living-wise, it was amazing. I mean, uh, my wife and I, we lived in uh, the southernmost part of Israel, uh, a lot Israel. Israel, um, five minutes from the beach. It's a vacation town for all the Israelis, so it's super easy for... Living wise, basketball wise, you take you get an adjustment just because it's different. It's more physical. Um, you have to deal with you know stickers on the floor. It's not the facilities like BYU per se. So you kind of take those things for granted when you're at BYU. But in terms of basketball, basketball is basketball. I mean, pretty much anywhere. There's a little bit of tweaks here and there, but other than that, I really enjoyed it, and obviously, I flourished in it. So.
0: We've heard about flares and cigars with Panathinaikos in Greece where Jimmy's going to play. Yeah. Did
9: you have anything th- thing crazy like that in Israel? Um, yeah. So, like, what our fans would do to kind of get the attention of the other fans, they would start the game, and then they would take toilet paper and throw it all over the floor. So, like, right when the game would start, <laughs> they would take it and throw it all over the floor. And then, like, so most of the time I would end up start picking it up just so we could start the game faster. So yeah, just right do. away, like ball tip, toilet <laughs> yeah. paper on it? ball tips and they just throw it <laughs> right on the floor and the refs don't get mad or anything. Cause it's just like, they're so used to it. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Was it t- double ply, single ply? What are we talking about here? No,
9: nah, it was the cheap one. The single, <laughs> the single one, so. yeah.
2: That's one of yeah. the stranger things I've ever heard from a professional basketball circuit. Was that the craziest thing you saw over there? If not, what was it?
9: Well, we were playing uh Maccabi Tel Aviv and, and that's like one of the best teams in Israel and I was asking one of the other Americans, I'm like, why, like, why? Did, cause me, I'm thinking like, why do they do this? We, I, I'm picking it up, like they're hurting the team, you know. And they're like, they just want they want the other team to know that they're here, you know. And that's probably one of the craziest things I saw. I mean, I've seen, I saw fights in the stands. There was one time another team was playing and. One of the fans punched the trainer in the back of the head. So, like, it gets pretty wild over there.
0: <laughs> I, so, you don't recommend that BYU students throw toilet paper on the court against, say, Gonzaga. You're you're saying don't do that, right? Or what are you nah, saying? No, I'm
9: saying, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm saying that's not a good look <laughs> for BYU at all.
0: <laughs> what was it like to live in Israel? Obviously, uh, you know, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of latter Saints—that's always like a wannabe destination to go see, obviously, where Jesus lived and was and everything. So, what was that like to be over there and and see some of those sites?
9: yeah it was it was super exciting. We took advantage of it. I mean, we visited every site we could besides Bethlehem because that was um Palestinian territory and it's just a it's a whole lot to get over there. You can't take your car um but in terms of visiting sites we yeah like I said, we visited most of them um The only hard part was that we only took partook of the sacrament twice because our closest branch was three hours away and then the next closest one was Jerusalem, so that was the only hard part I would say about living wise and then other the other hard part would probably be grocery shopping. That was like really hard at first because they 're kosher, so like trying to find stuff is already hard because you can't you don 't know what they 're saying, but then trying to find like the meat you want in a certain area and stuff like that so
2: you have endured and succeeded, and uh, we it was really fun to watch your career progress over there, but like you said. You plan on not being in Israel next season. You're going to clearly have several options, whether that's, again, playing overseas or if it's an opportunity in the NBA or the G League. Give us your best idea of where you think you'll be playing professional basketball in your next opportunity.
9: Yeah, I mean, I wish I knew, right? I mean, that's just like everyone asks, like the main question I'm answering these days is, what's next, what's next? And I'm kind of like, you know just as much as I do. You know, like I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here waiting just like, guys are so I like to call it like for me it's organized chaos you know like you know something's going to come but you don't know when you know so I just kind of stay ready so in terms of like ideally I obviously NBA would be ideal but there's so many great options overseas that haven't come yet that I know will come um, so Um that's kind of where I'm at right now
0: You said on our show multiple times, I will play in the NBA. What's the best way to be in position to do that? Is it the G League, which doesn't pay as much, but you're uh, one step away right, from maybe getting on a a team? Or is it going overseas and making more money and still playing great ball and having a great life?
9: See, I think it depends on who you are, you know, because overseas is for everyone. Um, For me, it was a lot easier having my wife over there. But for people who might get homesick it might not be the the route for them so me personally um overseas worked out but for someone it might be g-league and you got to understand there's two different games of basketball you know overseas is very very physical whereas g-league is more skill set you know you're not going to go to hack there's certain things that are different about the game but both ways are great options
2: how have you gotten better as a professional basketball player from the time you were at byu because you did a lot of things well at byu
9: yeah, I think someone asked me that the other day. I said, I don't know how much skill-wise I've gained. gained. a little bit of things, but I think I've come to know my game better, which really counts when you get on the court. So the biggest thing I focused on during Summer League is just doing what I do well. Don't try to be something I'm not, you know? I think um, playing in Israel kind of allowed me to do that, and the things that I do do well, keep doing them and try to do them harder and better every single time.
0: What do you think of what's happening at BYU uh since you left? Dave Rose retires, Mark Pope and his staff come in, Yoli Childs returns, Jake Toulson's back. Uh I guess there's a lot of juice here now.
9: Yeah, I was up there yesterday and I watched them practice and um they got a lot of energy going. Coach Pope is doing some amazing things over there and I I see why people are excited. He has tons of energy and and he's um doing really well with the guys and bringing everyone together and they have some really key pieces with you like you said Yoli Jake T.J., Nick, all those guys. And seeing Gavin, I saw Gavin. He looked like he's put on 20 pounds, and Zach looks stronger. And everyone's just putting in a lot of work, especially Dalton and all those guys. Did you play pickup with him? I did not. This is, is for me, this is my time to rest. I've been going since last summer with pre-draft stuff, so I'm kind of giving my body a rest because (laughs) I got back from Israel on a Thursday, and I was in Milwaukee on a Monday. So I've been going full speed. Jeremy
2: and I kind of feel like now that Yoli Childs is back and with everything that's happened, this feels like an NCAA tournament team or a team that should get back there after a four year absence. Where do you stand on expectations for BYU basketball next year?
9: Yeah, I think everyone wants to put that, you know, NCAA tournament on them. But I think the biggest thing for them is they just have to focus on the task at hand and the game at hand. You know, I think that's the biggest thing that helped me overseas with this whole process is. Don't get too caught up in that big picture. If they focus on every single game and buy into what Coach Pope is telling them to do, then they'll be right where they want to be, which I think is the NCAA tournament. You know,
0: any BYU fans show up in uh, Vegas to support you with the Bucks?
9: Yeah, there was there's a few there's actually BYU fans in Israel too. So nice. Yeah, yeah. Some,
0: some students at one, the BYU Jerusalem Center made it over.
9: <laughs> one, uh, it was when I was playing in I think Leah Some fans came with their daughters in cheerleaders' outfits, and so I was like, wow, the fans are everywhere. It is a
2: a worldwide brand. Eli, it's great to talk to you, man. Congratulations on all of your success uh, in Israel and with uh, the NBA Summer League and the Milwaukee Bucks. We can't wait to see what happens next. Let's talk again soon.
9: Sounds good. Thank you, guys.
2: You got it. Elijah Bryan on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how.
0: He didn't just go to Israel. He was first team all league. So he did really well. Uh, I thought he fared well in the summer league as we chronicled 14 points a game on 53% shooting 50 from the NBA three point line. Obviously had that 31 point game. I, I think he's going to have an opportunity to play somewhere. I'm excited to see where he goes. Yeah, Yeah. Where is Eric Mika going? Um, I, I'm excited to see these guys overseas. BYU always produced some good players overseas. And now we're seeing Brandon Davies is basically on one of the best teams in the world outside the NBA. On the
2: Yankees of the League, Yeah,
0: Barcelona that might be able to beat the Suns. Who knows, right? Um, Seriously. Yeah. yeah, that's... The super team. It's exciting. It's exciting to see those guys thrive. Yes, we want them in the NBA, but there, there are other opportunities out there.
2: Yeah, are we going to see Eric Mika and Elijah Bryant and Brandon Davies and Jim Fredette all playing in the Euro League?
0: Perhaps. I wouldn't be shocked if Eric Mika's back. I wouldn't be shocked if Eric Mika was in the G League. You can make more money elsewhere, but the G League means you're one step away, right? Yeah, so, who, made, so a that's bigger, that's who made a bigger
2: splash in the Summer League? Eric Mika or Elijah Bryant? Yeah, because they both played really yeah. well.
0: I think, I think Eli did, but Eric had a really good Summer League as well. Yeah. The
3: best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Wimbledon got a ton of social media run yesterday because
2: of Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic. One of those classic matchups in the world tennis venue. People like to watch Rafa Nadal play Roger Federer and throw in Novak Djokovic. Are there more players? Those three guys. It feels like those are the three. I didn't know there were more. I just, exactly. I thought there were only three. Exactly. It feels like those are the three guys. And we got it in the semifinals with Nadal and Federer. Federer prevailing. Federer. And facing Djokovic in a record-breaking length, I mean, just crazy tiebreak finish where Federer finishes it off. That got me thinking... What's the dream matchup for BYU Sports? Because tennis fans got it in the semifinals and the finals. What about within the realm of BYU sports? What's your dream matchup?
0: I have three. BYU with an easier schedule. That's oh. my dream matchup. <laughs> <laughs> BYU in a power five conference would be the the matchup, right? Yeah. yeah and yes, right, I would right. still give up the nineteen eighty four national title. Okay. And BYU in a New Year's six. Those are my three like dream matchups.
2: My my dream matchup is something that Typically happens every year. There was a brief hiatus in 2014. But BYU and Utah playing for a conference championship again. That'd be fun. It would just take away so much unnecessary rhetoric of, Oh, the lowly BYU Cougars, independent. They're not as good as us. We're a power five team. Well, right now that's true. I'm not saying that BYU isn't as good as Utah in terms of being a power five opponent, but that storyline is it's taken over too much. Like all of a sudden BYU is not in the same ballpark as Utah because they're not a power five team.
0: Well, combine that with not, them They've directly. lost eight in a row. Yeah. That,
2: that's the bigger storyline. Yeah. BYU's
0: line. won 11 games the last two years and hasn't beaten Utah. So Utah has every argument they want in this conversation. BYU
2: and Utah playing for a conference championship would be a oh, dream matchup for you know me.
0: What, you know what would be worse but interesting? If Utah was relegated and then had to play BYU in something? For Relegation <laughs> in
2: college football, to me, is still like the number one most desirable change I would like to see happen. It'll never happen. You know, It'll never well, happen, but I want, it would be amazing. In the U.S.,
0: I want relegation in sports, and I want more sweet pizza. And I want the pizza to be brought to me.
2: Sweet pizza?
0: Yeah. So not just pepperoni. It's like you have uh, you know, strawberries and cream uh, on uh, bread, essentially. And I want it brought to me. This is something in bre- I want relegation, and I want pizza brought to me. Like, like Tucano's, they bring it to you, but it's pizza. How about that? You don't store it one flavor. You get all the flavors you want.
2: Order your sweet, And I
0: sit down, and you bring it to me. And relegation.
2: Order your sweet pizza. Neither are happening for BYU Utah this year, and while it won't be for a conference championship per it's se, a state title, it can be for the state title. Hit it! Countdown
3: to the Utes. Forty-five
7: days.
2: Forty-five days away. Shout out to Harvey Unga, former number forty-five, yeah. two thousand seven freshman All-American, All Mountain West Conference player in two thousand nine, and he was a part of a team. That won one of those memorable games against Utah. In fact, I think he still has a little bit of red paint on his white BYU helmet from running over a dude at the goal line in 2007.
0: Yeah, he did it a couple of times. Yeah, oh, 9 as well.
2: 44 days. Blow the train whistle. <laughs> yeah, Rob, the freight train Morris.
0: There it is. Much better.
2: Fourth round draft, no first round draft pick Mm -hmm. by the Indianapolis Colts. First
0: round defensive player.
2: First round draft pick for the Indianapolis Colts. Nineteen ninety eight, WAC defensive player of the year, Buck Kiss Award semifinalist, Rob Morris.
0: Did the snow angel? He cost. uh, Was it Ethan Owen? It was Owen Owen Poshman. A long streak of PATs in the snow. Because they backed it up and Potchman missed. <laughs> because Rob Morris does a snow angel after a pick six. I Classic. forgot about that. What was that, 98? Yes,
2: I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. So funny. Was Owen Potchman mad about that? <laughs> we need to get the Potchman brothers on if this show. If you know Owen's
0: mess. history off the field, I don't think so. Yeah, okay. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so he's doing just fine. If you know, you know. <laughs> 43 days.
0: David Nixon, number 43.
2: One of the all-time quarterback sack leaders in Mountain West Conference history.
0: My favorite play from David Nixon. He had 43 tackles for loss, by the way. Was a pick six against Wyoming in '06. right? Was it? He, he gets into the end zone, and there's not a ton of room to, like, landing area there. He is flying up the tunnel. Like he's just and then he is just stoked, man. It was an <laughs> awesome play.
2: Yes. Speaking of favorite plays from uh, our guy David Nixon, mine has to be the forced fumble against TCU yeah.
0: when he the first big win after the apostasy known as O two three four.
2: Yes in 06 yeah. that, that BYU was 1-2 TCU was ranked they're that like top 15 everything yeah. BYU wins that game that was on Versus bro yes it you was remember that channel oh I remember Versus 42, 42 days, days 42 days away Whee! from Lavelle Edwards Stadium BYU in Utah 42 41 days, 41 days, under six weeks. Happy Leon White Day. Mm, talk about awesome. a great BYU Cougar. Oh, arguably the greatest linebacker ever. That linebacker crew when he was playing at BYU? Kurt awesome. Woo!
0: By the way, tomorrow's 40 days. Are we fasting from Saturday <laughs> until the game? In hopes. Or when? Anybody? Should we do something for 40 now, we, days? We could
2: do like during the day fast. Right? Oh, like Enos Canter, I, Yeah, like uh, a partial day fast yeah. every day. Yeah,
0: everyone assumes it's like the whole day.
3: Yes.
2: We're going to no. fast from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m.
3: Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to drink this water. Stay up to date with The Countdown. Every weekday on BYU Sports Nation, on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
2: Now joining us, a guy who appreciates offensive linemen for sure, NFL quarterback, Swiss Army knife football player, the pride of Pocatello, Idaho's Highland High School, Taysom Hill on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Taysom, great to have you back on the show, man.
5: Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's been a while. It has been a it's while. been a minute. We yeah. were just
2: thinking about that. Hey, off-seasons are shorter and busier than ever, it seems, for a professional athlete. That said, you got to maximize the time you have off. So what's the best non-football-related thing you've done this summer?
5: Oh, man, I've tried to play as much golf as possible. Um, <laughs> nice. But I, I would say uh, my wife and I took a trip to Europe, um, and we had a great time, just spent 10 days uh, exploring uh, different parts of, of Europe, and it was a great time to just spend with spend with the family and and uh, do some traveling. What's the most
0: days in a given year between uh, workouts for you? How many days off do you ever take consecutively where you don't work out?
5: Yeah, um, man, I would say once we finish the season, um, I'll usually you know, take at least a week to two weeks off where I'm not doing anything. And then I will say I don't do a lot of football-related things, you know, for the month of February, um, March, where I when I do go work out, I'm, I'm just in the gym. I'm just, you know, running, exercising, doing stuff like that. And then as we start to transition and get ready to OTAs, you know, I start to, to work into the football-specific things. But the most time I'll take off is about two weeks.
2: Well, like you said, you've played a lot of golf, or as much as you possibly can. More importantly, have you adequately embarrassed David Nixon on the golf course this summer?
5: (laughs) You know, we actually haven't played that much golf together, but we, we went to Hawaii and uh, we we got it in when we were in Hawaii for sure. And uh, I'll I'll leave that up for you guys to discuss with him <laughs> um, on how that went.
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, we love David for the record, but uh, we like we like to see him struggle a little bit. My
5: my, my favorite <laughs> thing, Taysom, is
0: us watching BYU in a road game, and we're in the green room chatting, and then he'll just FaceTime you, and all of a sudden we're just chatting with you. Know those those are my favorite. You know.
5: Yeah, it's great. That's uh, <laughs> that's what brother-in-laws do, right? Absolutely. Um, but he, he's been awesome. You, you guys obviously know him well, but he's he's been a ton of fun to have as a brother-in-law and then to be able to learn from his experience and, um, you know, through BYU and in the NFL and everything else has, has been a great resource.
2: Taysom Hill with us on BYU Sports Nation. What's your schedule like these days as you approach another NFL season and training camp?
5: Yeah, it's busy, you know. So I go back next week, Wednesday. We report Thursday. Uh, to training camp and then you know you you go from 8 a.m practice and then your last thing for the day is is at 9:30 at night and so they're long days um, so I would say right now it was just trying to make sure that I maximize the time that um, I have with with my wife um, and then making sure that I'm physically and mentally prepared uh, to go into camp and, and to, to perform at the best of my ability so I spend a significant amount of time in the morning, um, you know, in the weight room, throwing, doing all the exercises that I feel like I need to do to get there. And then the afternoons, I try to maximize the time, you know, with family before I, I say goodbye for a month.
0: At some point as you approached your NFL career, obviously you want to be a starting quarterback in the league. When did you decide, and, and maybe there was a moment, maybe it wasn't where, okay, I'm going to just help this team in any way possible. When, how did that come about?
5: Sure. Um, that, that really wasn't my idea. You know, I, I remember my rookie year, I, I went into meetings. It was Wednesday. So Wednesday was our first day of practice in preparation for the next week. And I'm walking into a meeting and I had a bunch of my teammates kind of looking at me, smiling, laughing, and I'm starting to wonder like, what is so funny? Like, what is going on, you guys? And, um, I had no idea that there was even a, a special teams like depth chart, you know, that they posted on our board. And I had no idea that that even existed, but all the, all my teammates went and looked at it and I showed up on the depth chart in special teams. And so they're all laughing at me. And then finally our special teams coach pulled me aside and said, Hey, like no pressure. Like, I'm just going to, I'm going to have you do some, some scout team kickoff stuff today. I'm going to have you do some scout team punt return stuff today. Uh, but just, you know, go run fast, do what we tell you to do. And, um, I just want to fill it out. And so I did that Wednesday. I went in Thursday and I found that I was starting on three of the special teams units, you know, that week. And, uh, you know, coach Peyton pulled me aside and kind of told me how it all transpired. And, uh, what I realized was they, they had another game day active 46 roster spot available and they wanted to give me an opportunity to, to do it. So as they looked at our inactive list, they looked at what I ran, what I jumped, and how big I was, and they said, "Well, why can't this guy help us?" And um, that's how it transpired. And then, you know, I w- I was just really excited to have the opportunity to help the team, you know, in any way that I could, and I'm grateful that they created an opportunity for me.
0: How did it evolve into uh, tight end and running back, and uh, you know, quarterback, of course, uh, on offense?
5: That's a that's a good question. I don't I don't have the inside scoop, um, (laughs) but, um, you know, I, I think through the preseason last year, you know, being able to go through a training camp and everything with new Orleans for the first time, I was able to do different things in unique ways. And, you know, we put in some zone read stuff, just kind of on the whim and had some fun with it. And then we had some success doing that in the preseason and, um, you know, I think one of the things that makes Coach Peyton so good for so long is that he gets the most out of his athletes, and he doesn't ask people to do what they're not able to do. And I think, you know, Coach has always been known as a creative guy and loves to take chances and risks, and um, so he created an opportunity for me. And um, I remember – as we first started this process, I knew that I was going to be on a short list. So I had a certain amount of, you know, anxiety going into these games because I knew that if it didn't go well, well then, you know, it was this experiment that that was probably just going to go by the wayside and I was going to be done doing it. Um, but coach did a great job of preparing me for it, showing me, you know, what to expect and what to look for. And, um, you know, we made the most of it, and so that role just continued to grow and grow, and, you know, hopefully that that's uh, what happens this season. Are you a
0: quarterback who plays other positions or an athlete who plays quarterback?
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I however you guys want to describe it is is, is fine by me, um, but I, I will tell you, you know, my mindset going into the NFL has always been, like, I want to play quarterback in the NFL. And I realized that there's 32 NFL teams and that there's only, you know, one starting quarterback on every one of those teams. And so I know how competitive and how difficult it is to get to that position. But my hope is that like, I just want an opportunity to to be one of those guys. Um, And I'm, I'm content with that. And I feel like I can make the most of the opportunity when it arrives and, um, but that—that that is definitely the goal, is to play quarterback in the NFL. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely a guy that loves to compete and wants to help the team win in any way that I can. And so I'll continue to do that as well.
2: We'll call it this, NFL quarterback and NFL athlete Taysom Hill with us on BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> Taysom, it's obviously been a remarkable journey to this point. When you played your first significant NFL snaps, whether on special teams or in some other forum – I know it's hard to quantify, but how validating was that for you personally?
5: Yeah, um it, it was it was super validating. Um I, I always felt like I was I was capable of doing it, you know, and I, I think that for any athlete as you make the jump from high school to college or college to the NFL, there's a certain amount of, you know, anxiety of like, oh, can I do this? Um And I remember I I had conversations with our quarterback coach in Green Bay. I had conversations with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay where they had all described like a moment in their careers or a moment when they've seen players have a moment of, you know, a play or they made a player an experience of saying like, I belong, like I can play in this, in this league and I belong in this league. And I will say that I had moments like that when I was in Green Bay where I felt that I was, I was good enough to play at this level. And I was confident in my ability to, to do it and and compete at this level. Um, But I think going into that, you know, there's a certain amount of unsurety and everything else. And then um, I had moments like that in practice. And then I had moments like that in the preseason. But as you mentioned, I would say that I was ultimately, you know, validated as I got into it. A regular season game, or I was playing in the playoffs, making plays, and I would say that you know that process continues to evolve, where I continue to have those those moments where i'm I'm validated, and uh, you know as a child, the ultimate goal is to play at that level, and um, you know it, it's been so much fun for me
0: what's the biggest stigma you fight as a guy that's from Idaho that went to BYU in the NFL?
5: Um, I, I don't think, honestly, I, I don't feel like I've been treated any differently uh, because I went to BYU. I don't feel like I've been treated any differently because I grew up in a, a small town or played at a, a small high school. I think the NFL is made up of so many people with with different backgrounds, and everybody everybody knows that. Um, and so, I, I would say that, um, that there really hasn't been one particular thing that has been difficult for me you know i think that there's stigmas of being a rookie that that makes it difficult as you make that transition to the nfl but my experience has been really really positive um and then i would say as you as your teammates see you start to work and as they see you start to make plays like any stigma just goes away and you're one of the guys and that's been my experience
2: you mentioned working with Aaron Rodgers for a short time in Green Bay. Obviously, you've been working around and closely with uh, one of your good friends now, Drew Brees. How has he impacted your development as an NFL football player?
5: Yeah, I mean, going to New Orleans, working with Coach Payton, and specifically Drew, has been the best thing that could have happened uh, for my you know young NFL career. Drew has has been an incredible mentor he's been a great leader and he's been a great friend to me and um i i I just can't think of a better scenario or a better situation for me to be in right now and i think you know you can go into situations and, and guys know what works for them um and guys could easily not include you or not teach you or incorporate you on that schedule or that routine. And from the second that I got to New Orleans, you know, Drew let me know what his routine was and said, no pressure, but like you are welcome to be a part of it. And since day one I got there, I adopted it. And um, to the point where we get to the season and I spend – from 6 a.m. in the morning to 7 o'clock at night, I spend that time with Drew, learning, watching film with him, and practice with him, and it's been the greatest thing.
0: Well, let's finish with this. You got a 56
2: rating in Madden. That's just <laughs> that's just dumb. We took great issue with this, Taysom. Yeah. Like there was much yelling in Studio B. What's your reaction to that nonsense? Uh, I
5: no comment. I, <laughs> you
1: know, I, we I we honestly, commented
5: for you. Yeah, I honestly, um, it, it doesn't it doesn't bother me one bit. Um, you know the things that, and and I learned this from you know early days at BYU as I became friends with Max Hall and John Beck and Riley and all these guys that have come through there. BYU is not not an easy place to to play quarterback, and um, they all shared experiences with me of like, man, what what you need to pay attention to is you know, how your your coaches view you, how your teammates view you, and you can't control uh everything else. And so um, I learned that from, a, from an early age, and that's definitely been, you know, my men- mentality, you know, moving forward. And so all the Madden stuff and everything else, like – you know, again, that's that's all good and doesn't bother me one bit.
2: I believe we termed it as grade A baloney, and we're standing by it. So we'll, we'll, we'll do it for you. Taysom, it's great to catch up with you, man. Uh, say hello to your buddy Corbin Cafusi for us uh, from say, here in Studio say B. To
0: Zion
5: Williamson as well. Yeah. yeah.
2: And uh, we, we, we wish you continued success and luck, man. We're thrilled for you, and uh, great to talk with you.
5: Okay, let me know next time you're in New Orleans. You got it, man. Thanks, Taysom. All right. Talk soon. Bye.
3: The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation.
2: There are some of you who have always been believers since the introduction of the BYU Sports Nation karma. And some, no matter what happens, you're not buying into it. Well, listen. Today, in this moment... We're not here to try and convince you because we feel like the evidence is already out there. It should speak for itself. Mm -hmm. But how did BYU Sports Nation karma actually begin? And what are some of the most magical moments that make us say, okay, it has to be
3: real. Let's go Between the Lines. BYU Sports Nation presents Between the Lines.
2: Robinson deep down the left field line.
3: And this game is tied up. Holy cow. Halford. It's a red hot start and it's 7-6. 26 for Halford. Phillips and it bounces into the goal!
1: When did the BYU Sports Nation karma start?
0: Scholars have researched this for a long time. Our best answer to this is in the Big Bang, that something emerged from that that has stayed throughout time and space, that we have somehow summoned and bottled in a meaningless way for Brigham Young University Athletics.
2: So we started to notice a trend in the fall of 2013 that when we would have guests on the show, the next game or performance that they would have, they would kind
3: of play out of their minds. Well this goes back to the radio days and it was just kind of a weird thing and it was Skylar Halford. Now nothing against Sky, because good ball player just wasn't he was having just an all-right year and when he comes on the show, the next thing you know I think it was twenty-eight points the next night in the basketball game, just goes off and all of a sudden we're like, wait, did something just happen? When Skylar Halford
0: This eighth man on the basketball team scored 28 points in a must-win game against San Diego. I thought, now wait a minute, that's weird.
2: Like, no question about it. Like, when that happened, I knew that the karma was a very real thing. Then we
0: looked backwards and thought,
2: Jamal Williams
0: did have 182 yards rushing against Texas the week he came on the show. Jen Hampson was one block shy of a triple-double, the week she came on the show. So all of a sudden we started to add these up and figure out, wait, maybe there's something special. The moment that really popped out was Busy Phillips in a 1-0 soccer game scores the only goal from 55 yards out the day of or the day before she was on the show. So I thought, this isn't just weird, this is something real.
1: Who came up with the word karma?
2: I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah, I, I honestly don't
3: even remember who termed it the BY Sports Nation karma. And someone just, I think it might have been just a listener who t- tweeted in and said, hey, there's a trend here. There's karma. I don't consider myself a superstitious guy. Uh, signs, miracles, sure, whatever. Karma, eh. After about a year and a couple of crazy things... Oh, I believe. There's a Santa Claus, and there's BYU Sports Nation karma, no doubt.
1: I'm gonna be honest with you. I I don't think I can buy in. I don't know if I I don't know if I buy into all of this karma business.
3: You don't believe in the karma? Are all these evidences
0: not enough for you? <laughs> Are all these coincidences?
2: Yay signs, barely, barely, Lauren. Okay, Lauren. Um, Should we list out 10 other incredible, miraculous experiences? Like I said, how much time do you need?
0: I wish we could use it to heal the world in a better way. But for now, we're giving BYU athletes
3: better luck. It's bigger than Jerem. It's bigger than Spencer. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than the show. It's bigger than the university. might be bigger than the universe. I, I don't know. There might be just someone, something, some being that sits there and just... Karma for you, karma for you, karma for you. I don't know.
2: It's time that you join the karma train.
0: Yeah. And when, it, and when it doesn't happen, we conveniently don't mention it.
2: <laughs> it's now time, Jerem, for the worldwide debut of Not BYU News. Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Yet here we are. <laughs> wow. Oh shall we begin? Headline number one. BYU announces fan fest at Disneyland. <laughs> Cougar fans ecstatic. We repeat, these are not actual headlines. <laughs> Can you imagine the oh, gathering at Disneyland? There's,
0: there's no school that wants to rep itself more than BYU at Disneyland.
2: Oh, a Disneyland uh, BYU fan fest?
0: They wouldn't even need to announce it. They'd just show up and then the BYU fans would congregate. And you know what they wouldn't do? They wouldn't punch each other. <laughs> Second headline. Utah football staff decides to hold meeting in Tanner Building, conveniently placed above the practice field. <laughs> At BYU, interesting. <laughs> How did this get approved?
3: Huh. Who this said is, this was okay?
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh. Interesting. I repeat, these are not actual headlines. Yes, this is like the Onion, but BYU sports Blue makes. Onion Sports. Blue Onion. We're going to look into uh, the
2: trademarking trademark that. Yep. Yes. Our not BYU news headlines continue. At number three, woke Cosmo argues Cougar tail is insensitive. <laughs>
0: Let me show a picture of like 1961. The fire Cosmo a, a bonfire. <laughs> like a fire is burning. Yeah, behind you. Woke? Well, yeah. Cosmo. Is Cosmo woke? That's the question. Stay woke, I, my I think, friends. Yeah, I think, I think so. Cougar tail. Oh. Yeah. Cougar tail? One word, two words? What is it? I don't, I don't
4: know.
0: <laughs> Number four Jason Shepard told not to participate in home run celebrations starting in 2020 season. <laughs>
2: Not a good look when you run out onto the diamond, Jason.
0: I believe another headline that we didn't include, which maybe didn't get approved, but I'm just going to say right now, is Jason Shepard also asked not to wear a cup in the dugout during the broadcast.
2: <laughs> I love the Photoshop's there. <laughs> so no, good. no, no, that's real. Oh, that's real. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's real. It's a real picture of him it's celebrating what, a home run with Brock real. Hale. Very well-lit looking mm-hmm. to the, yes. uh, Incredible uh, the northwest. Lighting. Incredible lighting in that photo. And fifth. Jimmer Fredette's statue added to Parthenon after first year playing in Greece. <laughs> there it
0: is. <laughs> and it's of him at BYU. Interesting. Not Panathinai. Okay. <laughs> Listen. He is in Athens. Uh, BYU doesn't put up statues anymore. They used to do some statues, right? I, maybe it's an idol worship thing. I don't know. Ask Michelle Peralta her mm-hmm. opinion on that. Mm-hmm. But uh, if BYU did statues. Jimmer, Jimmer has one, right?
2: Who's on the Mount Rushmore of BYU sports? Like that's that's a conversation that usually comes up once a year, right? Yeah, yeah, it it does a lot. (laughs) It's good fodder for the. Who deserves? Yeah, who deserves a statue? Anyway, those
0: are are not BYU headlines. Okay, (laughs) presented by Blue Onion Sports. I want to mention that. uh, No, that it had an actual sponsor. I know. Yeah, BYU food to go. go, The MVP MVP of of your next event. Um, There were like. Two hundred fifty of these headlines. By the way, we've got a lot more. Some we can't say on the air. Some we can. And I was laughing out loud oh. reading these like a week. Oh my gosh! Okay, uh, who who made that? By the way, it was uh, Parker Long, Tanner,
3: Tanner, Tanner, Lewis. Tanner Lewis. Two of our uh,
0: students made those. They were fantastic.
3: Well done, gentlemen. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. His name is Lee Kamard. He has a new
2: job title, but he's still at BYU. Yeah. Now working with Jeff Judkins and the women's basketball team. Lee, it's been an interesting
10: offseason for you. How would you sum up the last few months? You know, I wouldn't wish unemployment on anybody. Um the the kind of the transition and kind of figuring out what's next was is, is a tough deal but it, it's been good and I'm happy I'm excited it's a great opportunity I'm grateful for the coach Jedkins and happy to be with you guys again
0: so in the end you moved down the hallway you just moved <laughs> north right you know my, my
10: my office looks exactly the same and it's uh, it's closer to my car that I parked. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so
0: anyway. Describe to us the interaction there, because we think of them as two separate teams, yet uh, they practice and have offices in the same building. They share the same gym, although one team's on the road, one team's at home. There's kind of this interaction between those two teams anyways a lot, right?
10: There, there is, and I'm going to have to try to distance my not distance myself, because I, I want those guys to do well and be well, but... They have their program, we have ours, and I'm going to try not to take some of the snacks that the, the players on the men's team get. So,
2: <laughs> Why did you feel like you wanted to work with BOA women's basketball and specifically with Jeff Judkins?
10: You know, I love the game. I love this university. And I look at it as a great opportunity to learn from him. And if anything else... A few Majera stories are going to be all worth it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> One Majera story is worth it, worth right? it, like let alone a few. Worth it. Um, th- there's, there's this stigma, and I'm not even sure it's true, but okay, if you work in the women's game, it may be harder to get a job on the men's side. But it feels like Jeff Judkins has perhaps turned down a few of these, that opportunities still might be there. Should that be what you want? I guess, how do you feel about that part of this?
10: My intention here is to to add value to these girls any way that I can, help Judkins win games, um, protect him any way I can, and and just help build this program. The first thing that Coach Judkins said to me was that, Lee, you're going to love this, and you won't go back to the men's side. And he said it won't be because you can't. He said it will be because you don't want to. So I'm looking forward to it. It's been a good two weeks. I know it just officially got announced, but I've been here and working with the ladies on the team, and, and they've embraced me, and you know they're, they're, they like to have fun, and it's a good time. You take over a spot on
2: a team that just went to the second round of the NCAA tournament, is maybe a top 25 team when the season begins. Who knows, based on what they did late in the season, but certainly they'll be receiving some votes. Uh, what are your expectations for yourself and for this team in year number one for you as an assistant coach?
10: It goes back to just adding value, right? Any way that I can if they want to get extra work in, helping with their skill development, obviously during the year with game planning and game prep practices. Um, I, I, I just, and it's the thing I told them the first day when Jetty introduced me to the, to the, to the girls, but there's enough here for everybody. If everybody will just buy in, We can do great things, and it's kind of a recipe for good things on any team that you're a part of. Just buy in, and good things happen.
0: It's an interesting um, group because you return a lot of the players, the Splash Sisters, as we like to call them, a dynamic group in the backcourt, right? Yeah, the coaching staff, uh, they're two new assistants. We talked to Melanie Day. She's amazing. On Friday, Ray Stewart's still there, and, of course, Jeff Judgkins. So how do you uh, start to create that chemistry among the staff, which is really important?
10: It is a big, big deal, and, you know, I spent the week recruiting with Ray out in Indiana, and so it was good to just spend time with him and discuss kind of the pros and cons of, of how we do things and, and, and get an idea of what can be improved and, and, and all that. I'm going to recruit next week with Judkins, so there will be some one-on-one time as far as uh, what he feels like we can do better, and, and just I'm all in. You know. That's where you asked for
0: the Majeris stories, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the we're going to have a, a lot of time there, A lot
10: of time to talk
2: Majerus. Now, all of these assistant coaches come with specific responsibilities. So I know it's only been a few weeks for you, but what specific responsibilities do you have that maybe some of the other assistants do not have?
10: That hasn't been clearly defined yet. I, um, I've kind of taken it upon me to just try to get in the gym as much as I can with them while we're here, you know, if we're not out recruiting to spend some time. We are limited per NCAA rule, so that's difficult to navigate, but um, just, you know, getting to know them, uh, getting them to trust you and let them know that you're here to just help them become a better teammate, become a better player, and and help them any way I can. I'm sort of surprised
0: that Jeff hired you in that you're a threat to him as the best shooter, perhaps (laughs) on the staff. How do you feel about that? that?
10: So that is one thing Ray told me. He said, Lee, if there's ever a shooting competition, just know you're not the best shooter in the jet. <laughs> that title goes to Coach Judkins, and that's fine, you know. That's fine.
0: It's it's pretty awesome, too, because I, I'm not sure that BYU fans understand how good of a player he was at Utah. Yeah. Like, all-league performer, NBA guy. He was incredible.
10: He he was a great player, and you have the Majera stories, but he was telling a story the other day of where He was playing against Kareem Abdul Jabbar. And it's like, oh my gosh, like you were in the league at that time? Like that's awesome. So there's going to be stories from that point in his life as well.
2: All right, I'm going to say a few names of the girls on this roster. And I just want you to tell me what comes to your mind, okay? (laughs) Just some words that come to mind. Okay. First of all, we'll start with Shaylee Gonzalez.
10: Ultra talented, great player. Uh, I met her parents uh, a week and a half ago. I can tell why she wants to be who she wants to be. That she wants to be special, and she's got a chance. She's got a real chance. Okay, a- Arizona
0: connection too, right?
10: Definitely. So she went to high school. I went to elementary school that was right across the street growing nice. up. There's so. that connection. Okay. Paisley Johnson. Feisty competitor. Um, she's a great player, great competitor, great leader, and and I'm here to help her any way I can. Sarah Hampson. Long, um really impacts the game with her length. Great teammate and is really going to help us this year. Okay, and finally, Brenna Chase. Deep range. <laughs> she likes a three ball, um, and she has a really quick release. Going to be a big part of, of the team this year. Okay, you seem to have figured some things out already. Sure. I've I, I got a few practices in. So.
0: <laughs> what uh, what, what skill set do you feel like you bring to this staff that will help this team this season?
10: You know, I'm still figuring that out. Yeah, uh, I think that skill development would be part of it. Um but just a, a camaraderie uh of of being all in, being with the team. That's kind of who I like to be and I hope to just fit in. What did you do or
2: I, I should say when did you find out and what was the conversation like with Jeff Judkins when he
10: told you that you had the job? Well, he he was down in I think he came to the marina, but he was at Lake Powell when I finally found out. But it's at BYU. You guys know it's a long process. And even though I was already here working, it's still part of it. And so he called me, and I was excited. And I, I believe he was on the marina at, at Wall Weep down at, at Lake Powell and said, hey, you know, I want to offer you the job. And I said, hey, let's go, you know, so –
0: you accepted on the spot.
10: I did. No negotiating no. the salary. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. We don't need to get into that. <laughs>
0: um, is, is Lizzie's lawn care still a thing that's going to happen? It, it's
10: going to happen eventually. i got a few other things that you know, my entrepreneur spirit in me mm-hmm. is, is, has been thinking on, but, but okay. that's all on the back burner, and I'm focused on helping these girls and this team.
0: Now, it's probably got to be in Utah, right? It's not going to fly in Arizona? There's just no need?
10: Yeah, well, while I'm here, I don't want to be a long distance owner of a company, you know. So,
0: well, then you don't have to (laughs) meddle in the details as much, right? (laughs) There
2: you go.
10: What's the best bit of advice you've received from Coach Judkins thus far? You know, he, I really appreciate how, how just straight up he was throughout the process. You know, that first phone conversation that we had, and he just said, Hey, I think you'd be really great. I think you would really enjoy this. Um, I know it's different, but I, I kind of went through it as well, and, and I haven't looked back. It's been a great experience, and and, and so for him, just, just how honest he's been with me, I, I really appreciate it.
0: The college uh, basketball three-point line is going to have a men's distance and now a different women's distance, so there's going to be two lines on the courts. I... Can't stand that. It's just so (laughs) annoying, right? Because players will step up to the deepest line typically. I guess, is that a – I assume the lines are down in the annex right now too, right? Yes. Okay. How how will that affect the game knowing, okay, that other line is there, but the women don't play to that line, they play to the closer line, which is good for this group.
10: Yeah, so I'm not a fan, if I'm honest. I, I wish they would just have one line because they do tend to play behind whatever is the furthest line. And our girls are capable, just let's move it back. And I, I feel, I believe I had a conversation with Coach about it, but he feels the same way, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we have some girls that it's not going to bother them, whether they're behind the further line or the closer line. I'm the type that I like to tell the line no matter where it is. I don't have the range like the new age kid. But uh, I, I wish they would just make one line. What's the biggest fundamental difference between coaching
2: men's basketball and women's basketball that you picked up on?
10: Uh, they have, they have a more and, uh, they're, they're, I don't know wanna to, uh, cause the guys have a good time too, but they like to have a really good time. They're always joking around and, and having fun. And it's weird because they get on the court and it's like, wow, you guys don't like each other, but then you stop practice or you stop the workout and they're right back to being best friends. Where I think guys hold it in a little bit more and it takes a little bit longer to, you know, Turn it back on, and so, but but they have a they have a really good time.
0: Does the ball move a little more? Is there is there like an X's and O's difference to you Uh, as well in men and women's uh, basketball?
10: I'm still figuring that out. Mm -hmm. Still figuring it out. Just remember four quarters, okay, Lee. (laughs) (laughs) That actually I really like. I like that you can advance it. There's some strategy and all of that. I I really like that. should be a good learning thing for me.
0: Yeah, for some reason, it's been the NIT and men's, they'll experiment and then say yes yeah. or no. But the women's game has things that I think the men's game should have, absolutely. The,
10: the, the foul re- recount yeah. of the, that it's, starts it's over NBA, every quarter. It's, the five. Yeah. it's a double bonus, no. I like one, that one, right? as well. Yeah. But the strategy in it really intrigues me. Great to
2: have you back, man. Thanks, guys.
10: It's like you never <laughs> left. But for you, you did feel like maybe you were
0: leaving, but yeah, yeah. it's it's so, it's great to have you. No, when Thanks. I
2: heard,
10: I was thrilled for you. Yeah, I'm so. excited, and and like you guys have talked about, we have a chance to do something good, and and hopefully it can work out that
0: way. Don't worry. We will overhype yeah. this team into <laughs> tremendous pressure. Just work yeah. on you your guys. Uh, on you stuff.
10: guys are great at the yeah. over-hyping. Just
2: work on Chuck Judkins impersonation. Okay. okay? Yeah. You know, you.
10: I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> just say one thing right now. Yeah. okay? Okay. I love the guy. He's going to say my name wrong. Yes.
7: Oh, it's a No
10: question he's going to get my name wrong and I'm okay with it. Yeah. I've been getting my name said the wrong way forever. Usually it's Commard, but he he likes to say Canard. And so Canard, Luke Canard. He's going to say Canard it, yeah. and, and that's just how it is. Oh my you know, gosh. It's a head coaching thing that when you become a head coach you can't pronounce names correctly. The guy's had unbelievable success, and I'm here to help him have even more success. But I know he's going to botch my name. It's good.
0: That's good that you know uh, that. Thanks for having me, guys. Coach yeah. There you go. There.
3: Thanks, There Kinnard. you go. Thanks, Lee <laughs> I
10: appreciate, appreciate it, guys. It. <laughs> thanks for having
3: me. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
2: Joining us now, fresh off her world travels, playing for Team USA at the World University Games in Italia, is Kennedy Eschenberg of BYU Women's Volleyball. Kennedy, welcome. Thank you. (laughs) All right. um, You were telling us a little bit about your trip to Italy during the break. We want everybody to hear about this. Awesome. What, what was the best part about your trip to Italy, playing in the World University Games?
7: I think it was so fun, all of it. It was awesome to represent the country and like wear a USA jersey. And also they had this thing where, cause they put it on kind of like the Olympics, like for college. And so they had a opening ceremonies, and so it was in this big soccer stadium and you walk out and the it was sold out and it was just packed and people were cheering and you were like walking with your country. So that was one of my favorite parts. But I also loved just meeting a bunch of new girls and playing different teams and also going around Italy.
1: You were talking about how this was your first time out of the country and you didn't know anybody. What was that experience like?
7: Yeah, it was crazy, but all the girls were so nice and we were all in the same boat. So it was awesome. And Italy's a pretty good place to go for your first time out of the country. So it was fun.
2: Just out of curiosity, did you play with anybody on this team that you have played against previously?
7: Um, let me think. Yes. Oh, for sure. Because we played it's the Stanford girls. Some of the Stanford oh, girls yeah. are on our team. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, and then – yeah, Stanford girls. I think those are the only ones.
2: Is that ones. a little weird when you're like,
7: <laughs> It was. Hey, we got you at our place! <laughs> yeah. It was kind of weird at first, but then they're really nice, and so it was fun. And we played them this year, so I'm excited to play against them again.
1: It's more about the experience, but how do you feel like you did personally?
7: I feel like I did pretty good. It was a great experience, and our team went 4-2. We lost to Japan and Italy, but overall it was great, and I feel like I got a lot better, and just we had four practices before we played our first game, and oh, the other teams had been pl- like practicing for like two or three months. So that was crazy, but I feel like I got a lot better, and I feel like I did good. That's
2: four awesome. and two, as you mentioned, finished ninth place, mm-hmm. and a bunch of your teammates that are all coming back have had these – World traveling experiences, of course, you included Mary Lake with Team USA, yeah. Heather Nighting playing in the Pan-American Cup. And we saw what this can potentially do with Ronnie Jones-Perry when she went and did this and came back and went next level. I mean, yeah. what is this going to do for BYU Volleyball?
7: It's awesome and just, like, I was just there for two weeks and I felt like I grew so much in my volleyball, but, like, as a person as well. And so I think that's just... And it's also like a once-in-a-lifetime experience that's so cool, and it helps you grow, and then when you come back, you have those experiences. So it's I, awesome.
1: I think it's awesome. I, I, I love – I just love the women's volleyball team. Uh, I think <laughs> it's so good. You guys are so good, and I'm excited to see you guys get even better at this. So you're, your husband yes. plays for the men's side. I'm just curious, do you guys compete in other things? Are you guys really competitive with each other?
7: Yes, in other things. In volleyball, he helps me a lot, which is nice. And then, but in other things, like, we love pickleball. Have you guys played pickleball? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. We are very competitive at pickleball. And then just, like, cards, too. And (laughs) basketball. We like playing basketball against each other and, like, horse. That was one of our first dates was horse. Oh, I love it. Yeah.
2: Apparently it worked out. I hope he let you win.
7: He let me win? This is crazy. No. We, (laughs) I won the first game. And then it was, like, somehow he's like, okay, best two out of three. And we like say it wasn't our first date because he was like, we were like loser buys dinner. (laughs) And so then... He beat me, and we like went to dinner. He's like, no, let me pay. Let me pay. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm paying. <laughs> so he says it wasn't our first date because I paid for it, okay. even <laughs> that's though so that's cool. fine. And
2: you're right. Yeah, Maybe counts. I take that back. When, you, when you're competitive and you're a Division one athlete, you don't want to let anybody win. You yeah. just want to Kennedy beat him. Kennedy does nothing. beat me. It's even better. I beat you fair and square. That's right. But
7: I think I won the first game, so that's okay. what matters. That's hey, what counts. Solid.
2: Yeah. <laughs> As you approach the next season, With uh, so much experience returning, and I mentioned Ronnie Jones-Perry, and she was a huge part of what BYU did going to the Final Four. What are your expectations for the 2019 BYU women's volleyball season?
7: I think we're going to be really good. Like like you mentioned, we lost a lot of amazing people, and you can't replace them individually, but we also got a lot of great people. And our coaches are awesome, and we always say the strength of our team is our team. And so I think it's going to be a great year, and it's going to be a fun year.
1: Oh, I love Heather and I love I just love the team. You guys are gonna be awesome. It's so fun to watch. Let's end with this. This is our Twitter question of the day. Which so in honor of the Lion King coming yes. out today, you know, are you gonna go see it? Yes, I okay. want to. Which past BOU game would you make into a movie?
7: For sure, the Stanford game. Oh. Yeah. At home. At home. That then, atmosphere was That was awesome. Then we win the first two sets, then lose the next two and it goes to five. And then it kinda ends on a weird play, but it was awesome. But you won. And a lot of people were there because it was freshman orientation also. Oh, yeah. So it was packed. Yeah. Can't wait.
2: Who's ready for BYU Wins Volleyball to pack the Smith House? Me. Yes. Me. <laughs> All hands arise. <laughs> so, uh, Kennedy, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma as you uh, approach your season and get ready
3: to go again. Thank you. Thanks for coming Thank in you after so trip much. to Italy.
1: Thank you so much. You're awesome. Thanks for coming in.
3: That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday. For the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.